Today on The Wisdom Journey, we come to Romans 1.4. You will miss God's plan entirely if you fail to understand who Jesus is. The truth about Jesus is essential to the Christian faith and to our eternal destiny. Thankfully, the Bible gives a clear answer regarding his identity. That's what Paul wrote about in our passage today. So keep listening to this important lesson. Stephen Davey called this lesson, Who is Jesus? It was about two years into his earthly ministry that Jesus effectively asked his disciples, Do you know who I am? Matthew 16, 15. Frankly, that's the most important question he ever asked them. And let me tell you, that's the most important question you will ever need to answer during your lifetime. In fact, your eternal destiny depends on on your answer to that question. Well, as the letter to the Romans opens here, Paul is giving us the answer. Now, we've already seen in verse 3 of Romans chapter 1 that Paul spoke of Jesus as both God's son and the descendant of David. So he's both fully God and fully human. He is the God-man. His physical descent from the line of David is unquestioned. Both his mother, Mary, and his adoptive father, Joseph, well, they're, they're both in David's family tree. And this qualifies Jesus to fulfill the promise to Israel of a coming Messiah who will one day sit on the throne of David. But this physical connection didn't make him the Messiah. In fact, there were many men who were descendants of David, and we know from history that a number of them would even uh, claim to be Israel's Messiah. Well, Jesus, of course, is different from all those false messiahs because, for one thing, he fulfilled the Old Testament messianic prophecies. Uh, his birthplace, his, his miraculous virgin birth, uh, his divine power, all of that together authenticated his messianic claim. But there's something else that sets Jesus apart. He didn't just claim to be the messiah. He claimed to be God in the flesh, or to use the biblical term, he claimed to be the Son of God. Well, Paul now writes here in verse 4 of Romans chapter 1, he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, let me just pull over for a moment and speak uh, to this rather ridiculous assertion out there that, that neither the Bible nor Jesus ever claimed that he was God. Now, frankly, uh, beloved, you've got to wear a blindfold when you open the Bible and then come up with that, that idea. Jesus' deity is, is affirmed in at least four ways in the Bible. First, the names or titles given to him describe uh, his deity. He's called Emmanuel in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Emmanuel means God with us. In other words, God has come to live with us. In John chapter 1, he's called the Word, and the Word is identified in that chapter as equal to the Father. John writes in verse 14 of that same chapter that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Second, Jesus' works 
confirm his deity. He demonstrated supernatural power. He demonstrated that power over disease, over nature, even over death. Beloved, Jesus interrupted every funeral he attended. Third, Jesus personally claimed to be God. He referred to himself as the Son of God. John chapter 10, verse 37. He said that he and his Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. His claim there is so blatant to the Jewish world that how did they respond? Well, they picked up stones to stone him to death. They said to him in John chapter 10 and verse 33, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you, being a man, make yourself God. They got it. And they would never say what some people say today, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Finally, fourth, the truth of Jesus' deity is affirmed by his bodily resurrection from the dead. As Paul puts it here in verse 4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. In other words, Jesus' resurrection verifies his claims of deity. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead not only confirms his victory over sin and death at the cross, but it's also what Paul claims here to be the undeniable proof that Jesus is God. And with that, then, he's capable of forgiving our sins and saving us from eternal judgment. And this is why Paul writes over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Well, let me tell you, Christianity collapses if Jesus is still dead. If the unbelievers in the first century had been able to produce the dead body of Jesus, Christianity would have crumbled into dust and ashes. But they never produced his body. Why? Well, it's because he rose from the dead. He's alive and well. By the way, here in the opening verses of the book of Romans, you also have a clear reference to all three persons of the Trinity. In verses 1 and 2, you have references to God the Father. In verses 3 and 4, you have references to God the Son. And now here in verse 4, there's a reference to God the Holy Spirit. So, who is Jesus? How do you answer that question? Well, we're given a pretty clear picture here in Paul's answer. Here at the end of verse 4, the apostle even adds this very simple yet complete title, Jesus Christ our Lord. That little phrase is loaded with meaning, four significant designations that reveal who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Now, we've already noted that Jesus is called the Son of God. The term son, by the way, doesn't mean he was procreated by God the Father and Mary. Uh, The Mormon church believes that God, the Father, Elohim, had sexual relations with many women. Well, one of those women, they believe, was Mary. No, Mary was a virgin, supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit who overshadowed her, as we're told in the gospel accounts, so that Jesus would be equally human and divine. Now, the term Son of God simply relates to his nature. Jesus is equal in essence with God the Father. Now, what about the name Jesus, his earthly name? 
Well, I got to tell you, it was a common name in his day, and there were a lot of little boys running around with the name Jesus or Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the Old Testament name Joshua. It means deliverer, or the Lord is salvation. So his name literally fits his redemptive purpose for mankind. The next designation Paul gives us here is Christ. Christ is the New Testament Greek equivalent of the Old Testament Hebrew term Messiah. It means anointed one. So Jesus is the Christ, that is, the anointed one prophesied throughout the Old Testament as the coming hope, the Redeemer of Israel. Now, although Jesus Christ was rejected by Israel at his first coming, he's coming back one day, and God's promises will come to pass that he will reign over the house of Jacob, that is Israel, forever. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 33. Now, Paul gives us the final designation for Jesus. He uses the term Lord. Paul writes here in verse 4, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord was commonly used in these days as a term of respect for one's master. So it, it essentially declares that Jesus is the supreme master. But you got to know that the Greek term here for Lord, kurios, is explosive with meaning. In fact, when the Old Testament was translated into the Greek language, kurios is the word that was used to translate the personal name of God, Yahweh or Yehovah. As it is sometimes spelled in English, we, we would pronounce it Jehovah. Well, well, let me just say that again here. Hundreds of times in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, called the Septuagint, Kurios is used for the Hebrew name Yahweh or Jehovah. So get this, Jesus is Yahweh, God in the flesh. If you acknowledge Jesus as Kurios, as Lord, you're testifying to his deity that Jesus is indeed the second member of the triune God. Well, finally, let me point out here in verse 4 that, that Paul is effectively saying that Jesus is our master. Paul writes later over in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11 that one day even those who've rejected Jesus are going to come to realize, they're, they're going to confess, admit that Jesus Christ is kurios, Lord, that Jesus is in fact master and eternal God. So here's that question. Who is Jesus? You know, beloved, that's the most important question you will ever answer in this life. And you don't have to guess. Inspired Scripture has just given us the answer here in verse 4. He's the Son of God. That is, he's fully, equally, in essence, God. He's Jesus. He's the God-man who is the Deliverer, the Redeemer. He is the Christ. That is, he is the, the anointed Messiah of Israel, and he is kurios. He is the Lord, the sovereign God, the King of the universe. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your God, your Savior, your Messiah, your Lord, your Master? I, I'm hoping, I'm praying that today, you will be able to answer that 
with a very enthusiastic yes. He is all of that to me. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson called, Who is Jesus? This is the Wisdom Journey. I invite you to join a group called Friends of Wisdom. This is a group that Stephen communicates with each week. He answers Bible questions, provides articles, and sends free resources to the Friends of Wisdom. It's free, and you can sign up at wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. Join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.